Welcome to Archway's Western Civilization History Podcast for Families. In our podcast, we look for the best of the West and discuss the stories, events, themes, and people that made the West different than the rest. Previously, Marie and I have been discussing the early Republic era of Roman history. Today, I want to deep dive into the language of Rome and the impact we still feel from it today. The name of their language was Latin. Let me just start by saying Latin is far from a dead language, and learning Latin is far from useless. Ignoring the fact that doctors, priests, lawyers, astronomers, biologists, professors, and politicians use Latin terms daily, even you, regardless of what you do for work, school, or play, you're using Latin all of the time. According to Dictionary.com, quote, about 80% of the entries in any English dictionary are borrowed mainly from Latin. Over 60% of all English words have Greek or Latin roots. In the vocabulary of the sciences and technology, the figure rises to over 90%, close quote. And those are just the words that evolved from Latin into English. That's ignoring the hundreds of expressions and abbreviations we lifted wholesale unchanged from Latin. Because of how many words and phrases are shared between English and Latin, it is also by far the easiest ancient language for English speakers to learn, which I encourage you to do. It opens up the great poetry, philosophy, and stories of Virgil, Cicero, Marcus Aurelius, and Livy. It also makes learning the Romance, or Roman, languages easier. Spanish, Portuguese, French, Italian, Romanian, Catalan, Sardinian, and Occitan. Between those languages, that's almost a billion people you can talk to. To show you just how much Latin you've experienced in your life, I'm going to take you through a thought exercise where you imagine yourself graduating college, getting a job, and lawyering up to show you how much Latin you'll use to get by. After each English word with strong Latin roots or an expression in Latin, I will give an explanation of the origin and meaning of the word or expression. Hopefully, this won't be tedious. Tedious from the Latin word tidere, meaning to disgust or weary. Let us begin. It's your last week at college. You leave the insulated, Latin for made into an island, suburbs, from the Latin meaning outlying part of a city, to travel to your metropolitan, from the Latin term for mother city, college, from the Latin word for collegium, to be united with a plurality, meaning the plural number, of other precocious, from the Latin pre-cooked, young minds. You know, let me pause right there. That was tedious. I annoyed myself. But hopefully you get the picture. There's a lot of Latin in English. From this point on, I won't dissect every word with a Latin root, but I will give the origins of any Latin phrases or expressions used. Okay, let's get back to it. At college, you attend your English course, since English is a lingua franca, lingua franca meaning the French tongue in Latin, used to refer to a key language for trade. 
In your last week of class, you study how William Tyndale translated the Bible into English. Before that, the Bible was in the Vulgate, the common tongue, Latin. That probably explains why there are still so many Latin terms in our language. Anyway, while your professor shows you a quote from William Tyndale, you're surprised to see so many spelling errors. You guess the English language has changed a lot in 500 years. In the quote, you see a curious thing, the word sick in brackets. This term is used when quoting a statement or writing, i.e. it indicates that there is a spelling or grammar error in the original quotation and that the publication has reproduced it faithfully and not made an error of their own. Believe it or not, it's a Latin word. And oh my, you may have noticed I had just said i.e. in explaining what sick means. I.E. is also a Latin term in writing. It is an abbreviation for id est, that is. It is used in English to specify a statement, i.e. it means essentially. I.E. is often confused with e.g. and vice versa. Vice versa means to turn around in Latin. E.g. stands for exempli gratia and means for the sake of example. When it is used, it is often followed by an example, e.g. I like flowers, e.g. roses. Another common abbreviation in writing is etc., or etc., meaning and the others. It is used to denote a list of things that could continue ad infinitum. Ad infinitum means towards infinity. So for the sake of brevity, it's best to just say etc. Anyway, back to your English class. After you learn about William Tyndale, you submit your final research paper. On your works cited page, you probably use the Latin abbreviation ibid, denoting ibidum, meaning in the same place many times. This is used when you quote the same book or article multiple times and you don't want to have to write out all the source information again. As your English professor looks through your paper, they scribble out and mark your errors. You see next to one of the marks your professor wrote, stet, S-T-E-T. This is also a Latin word telling you to let it stand or disregard the mark. Once you get your paper graded, your professor gives you the thumbs up, meaning you're clear to graduate. You got the best grades in the whole school, so they made you the valedictorian. Valedictorian is a term from the Latin word walwe, meaning goodbye. In medieval universities, the valedictorian gave the closing Latin recitation to say bye. So now that you've graduated, your university is called your alma mater, meaning dear, bountiful mother. And you need to find a job now. Do you want to be a starving artist and live up to the motto, Ars gratia artis, art for art's sake? Well, if not, you may need to write up a CV, curriculum vitae, a resume frequently used for people in academia. In Latin, it literally means the course of one's life. As you write your CV and apply for jobs, you realize most of your classes were useless. You go and tell this to the school counselor who simply says, caveat emptor, buyer beware. You are the one who paid a hundred grand for this. It was your responsibility to ensure it was what you wanted. So you move on and once you've graduated, you begin working. And as you work, you're surprised that you continue to use Latin words and phrases. Indeed, it has become the status quo for you. Status quo meaning the existing state of affairs. One day you get to work before the aurora, meaning dawn, and your boss encourages you with a hearty carpe diem, worker. Seize the day. 
Now later that boss swings by your desk and he asks you to submit your per diem. Per diem means by the day and refers to the daily allowance employees are given when traveling for work to pay for gas, food, and lodging. Your boss probably has to submit the per diem per report per annum by the year and per capita by the person. So he needs your data post haste. Post haste comes from the Latin word post meaning after and hey wait wait no it wait a minute no it doesn't. Post haste is from Middle English and it's telling the mail carrier to hurry up. Now PS postscriptum that does come from Latin and it means after writing. So you you often attach these bad boys to your emails at work. Anyway, when you get to your cubicle, which comes from the Latin word cubiculum, meaning a place for sleeping or laying down, a bedroom, your coworker comes and visits you. Your coworker is your fetus acetes or your faithful acetes, meaning your best friend. Now she isn't nosy per se or intrinsically, but she does like knowing what's going on. She asks you to repeat what the boss said verbatim. Verbatim means using exactly the same words with no changes. Ergo, therefore, she thinks your boss said something juicy, not really not realizing that he was just talking about per diem minutia. Minutia is actually a Latin word, minutiae, meaning trifles. Regardless, you establish a quid pro quo with your coworker, a this for that arrangement, a deal. You'll tell her what the boss said if she agrees to finish your big report. Your coworker excitedly agrees. She thinks she just made a bona fide deal. Bona fide meaning in good faith, bona fide. Once you tell her the boss just talked about a per diem form, she is irate. She is so upset that when she has to write up your report, she fills most of your report with lorem ipsum text. Lorem ipsum means sorrow itself. It is a reference to a fragment from Cicero, and it refers to a genre of filler text that typographers use to see how fonts look in different formats. When your boss sees that your report is full of Latin gibberish, you give him a mea culpa, a my fault, admitting your guilt. Your boss informs you that in his eyes you are now persona non grata, an unwelcome person. He puts you on hiatus, a Latin word meaning gaping that refers to a pause or suspension. Suspended from work, it would take nothing short of a deus ex machina, a god from the machine, a kind of improbable miracle solution for you to get back into his good graces. A miraculous reconciliation, if you will. Reconciliation means to be seated with God again and it is used in English to refer to a renewal of friendship. As you walk home and take a shower, you think you'll have to say RIP to your career. RIP stands for resquit in pace, meaning rest in peace. But then something strange happens. Instead of saying RIP to your career, you have to say RIP to your boss as you find out the next day he was murdered when your coworker calls you. Minutes later, you receive a subpoena to appear in court. Subpoena means under penalty. You are one of the key suspects in your boss's murder. The police take you into custody. You're kept in jail for a few days and realize that your rights have been violated. You demand a writ of habeas corpus. Habeas corpus means having the body. 
and it means that you want to appear in person in court before being detained any longer. The judge acquiesces to your request, and in court you meet up with a lawyer who tells you he will work for you pro bono, for free. But you know the modus operandi, the MO, the way of working of these lawyer types. You tell him you're going to do this case pro se, for yourself, without a lawyer. He informs you that you are a very dumb person. You inform him that he's the dummy since he's using an ad hominem attack to the man, a character attack, and that you'd never stoop that low. He rolls his eyes and takes a seat next to you. You tell him you don't want him representing you, and he sighs and says, fine, fine, I'll, I'll just be an amicus curiae, a friend of the court. I'll write an amicus briefing on your behalf, and hopefully I'll persuade the judge. You shrug your shoulders, figuring it won't do any harm. And that's about when the prosecution starts presenting their arguments. They describe how you treated your big report like a joke, and you were put on hiatus. This made you a de facto unemployed person. De facto means in fact. After how hard you worked to get your job, they say you got angry and you killed your boss without mains rea, a guilty mind, meaning you didn't plan it beforehand. The judge calls you forward to deliver your defense. You tell the judge you couldn't have killed your boss since you don't even know how he died. The judge tells you this is a non sequitur or it doesn't follow. You then ad lib, meaning according to pleasure, something about an alibi, alibi meaning in another place, but you kind of forget all the details and it's a little bit hazy and you realize you're not sounding very good. But you say, i.e., I was in the shower when the boss died. You then close your defense using a term from geometry saying, I am innocent, quod erat demonstrandum which thing was to be demonstrated, i.e., you've proven your point. The judge looks rather unconvinced. At this point, the lawyer who had wanted to represent you delivers his amicus brief to the judge and whispers into the judge's ear. The judge nods his head. The judge then delivers a writ of mandamus. Mandamus means we command. And the mandamus is an order to the police, and it states that you're to be released immediately. You look around in bewilderment. How could it be? You ask the lawyer that wrote the brief. He tells you, quote, I called your boss. It turns out he's still alive. Ipso facto, because of that fact, you couldn't have killed him. Turns out your coworker made up the whole thing. It was an elaborate prank. Completely baffled, all you manage to say is, Creo quia absurdum est. I believe it because it is absurd. And that concludes our hypothetical story. As you can see, you use quite a lot of Latin in your day-to-day -day activity, and even more if you end up going to court. So, please avoid doing any crimes, dear listener. And I hope you enjoyed listening to that story. I had a lot of fun writing it. As always, thank you for listening and supporting our podcast. Feel free to share with a friend or to send us feedback. 
that's history for you.